your home of the pins and the best pins covering. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. No time to pee. I'm back. This segment brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Hockey fans love watching the pros in the Winter Olympics. Casual sports fans love watching hockey in the Winter Olympics. But Gary Bettman's doing the right thing by the league in not allowing players to participate. The Rangers, the Flyers, Edmonton fans, Buffalo fans, they'd probably love to see pros in the Olympics because then they could actually watch a team that's going to be successful this year. But that's not the concern of Gary Bettman, and it's not the concern of the National Hockey League. For the owners and the league, there's zero tangible benefit for sending the players overseas. None. Zip. Not a one. Players can get hurt, and they'd be getting hurt doing something that they're not paid to do. The season would have been interrupted for almost a damn month, which means the rest of the season would be condensed and brutal on the players who are and aren't participating. Oh, and I think it diminishes the Stanley Cup. Players would instead be aiming to win the gold medal. They'd be expending a lot of energy on that, and that's not what they're making millions of dollars to care about. The argument is always that the league would benefit because of exposure. People who like the Olympic brand of hockey would be more inclined to watch the NHL product, but there's zero tangible evidence of that being the case. It's a good theory, but that's all it is, a theory. NHL players are going to... Going to the Olympics is good for the Olympics, it's good for NBC, and it's good for the players who want to go. But the NHL players going to the Olympics is not good for, wait for it, the NHL. Which is why the NHL set up the World Cup of Hockey, because it's controlled by the NHL. It helps the league get talked about for once on ESPN. Plus, the Olympics don't even allow the NHL to use the highlights. The World Cup of Hockey obviously would. The league should make a big deal about that every four years and be done with the Olympics. The World Cup of Hockey doesn't interfere with the season of all. Gary Bettman, as much as it pains me, is right here. God, that hurts my soul. What say you? 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com will join me coming up at 415 to talk more about the Steelers changing up of the coaching staff and what all that means. Let's go to Jason in the West End, first up today on 105.9 The X. What's up, Jason? Hey, big fan, Adam, big fan. Thanks, buddy. Hey, so by no means do I think the Steelers have a good locker room culture, but however, I think Mark overrates it. My biggest concern is at the linebacker position, and yeah, they should draft one, but I just want someone who's going to be NFL ready. So I think that Joey Porter is not a great outside linebackers coach in the National Football League. They did just spend a couple of first-round picks on outside linebackers. They've got talent. Bud Dupree's an athlete. T.J. Watt can play. Get rid of the coach instead of trying to bring in new players. Allow the coach to develop those guys who we know has talent. I'm kicking Joey Porter out, not because he's a nuisance, but because he doesn't coach very well. Thank you, Jason. 412-333-9939, 412-333-WXDX, 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Kenny in Latrobe next up on 105.9. Hello, Kenny. Hey, Adam, how you doing? I'm all right, man. What's up? Hey, I know the uh, 
the new coordinator and was the old wide receivers coach, I believe, right? Quarterbacks coach. So, okay. Uh, so is the, I, I imagine the offensive scheme will still be somewhat similar to yes. Todd Haley's. So I think you could drop Todd Haley and still have, you know, that kind of uh, – the, the, without a complete rebuild, whereas if you were to lose the defensive coordinator, you know Joey Porter's not going to step in. And, you know, you're exactly so I, right, Kenny. I think you're spot on, and it's something I kind of alluded to before. The Steelers needed to make changes because sometimes you just need to make changes. They were 13 and three, but they didn't get the job done. And one of the reasons is because they've been doing things the same way for a while, and they haven't been getting the job done. You bring people in who look at things differently, and you change some things. Now, as for Todd, he wasn't getting along with the quarterback. So if the offensive coordinator's not getting along with the quarterback, that guy is an easy let-go, and they didn't have to fire him either. His contract just expired. So that's why that went down. I, I almost think it's like something like kind of you could draw a parallel between you know the Penguins where they got rid of Bosma. You know, they, just, they still had all kinds of talent. They just needed to change. You either you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, my friend. And that's what happened with Todd Haley. Todd Haley's offense has put up numbers. But they didn't win enough. And as much as I don't think that it's all Todd Haley's fault, someone's got to go. That's the way it is. When you lose in this franchise, bad things happen to you because the expectation level is that you're going to win. Four one two three 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 WXDX four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. That guy's back, John, who keeps tweeting me. He's tweeted now seven times. Three of the tweets have been directed at me. He continues to listen to the show. Ha ha! Gotcha, John. He says, "Wow, I don't know how you can say Joey Porter is not a nuisance." I'm going to stop that tweet reading right there. That's not what I said. Joey Porter is a nuisance. But that gets overplayed a little bit. If you're a nuisance in a good linebacker's coach, I'll keep you. If you're a nuisance and you're as good as Munch at developing offensive linemen, and Munch isn't a nuisance, but let's pretend he was, I'm keeping that guy. I'm not going to keep Joey Porter because he's a nuisance and he's not doing his job well. Again, James Harrison was falling asleep in meetings. You think Joey Porter, hey, snap him, snap at him a little bit? Hey, hey. Hey, James, Jarvis Jones never got better. Bud Dupree not getting better fast enough. They didn't get enough sacks out of the outside linebackers this year. That's why you get rid of Joey Porter. And a little bit because he's a nuisance, too. Antonio Brown's a nuisance. But he scores a bunch of touchdowns and racks up a bunch of yards. So you keep him around. Le'Veon Bell's a nuisance. I would argue that you keep him around because he does the same thing as A.B., Racks up yards, racks up touchdowns. Mike Mitchell, on the other hand? Boy, I used to defend that guy. What was I thinking? He stunk this year, and he was a nuisance. If you're a nuisance and good, you get kept. If you're a nuisance and you're bad, you get whacked. And not in the good way. 412-333-9939. 412-333-WXDX. Good players get treated better than bad players do. Bobby Bowden was the old Florida State coach. And there was a brawl between Florida State players and Florida players before one game. And I think that it was Sebastian Janikowski who was the kicker. Everyone else got suspended. 
except for Janikowski. And when asked about it, Bobby Bowden said, have you seen him kick? If you can play and you're a nuisance, you make an exception. If you can coach and you're a nuisance, you make an exception. I'm not making an exception for Joey Porter. Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com going to be joining me coming up next. Talk all about the Steelers' coaching changes and about what else Art Rooney had to say the other day. It's Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden on your home of the Pens, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. There's a horse that ran through at Wendy's drive through in Pittsburgh, PA, to get a Frosty for her friend. Five minutes later, Joey Porter's pit bull mauled it to death. I got to admit, I stole that one from Randy Bauman. Joining me now to talk Stillers, my man Dale Lolly from DKPittsburghSports.com, the editor and Steelers writer for that site. Dale, how are you today? Good, Adam. Uh, did uh, anybody from Philadelphia follow that horse and then clean up its excrement with their mouth? I cannot believe that trend. <laughs> it started in Cleveland. Does that shock anyone? Cleveland and Philadelphia, their fans eating feces. It does not shock me. No, no, that's, uh, I can't, I, I don't even know what makes you think you might want to try that. Dale, with Ben. Bet. Although you've been known to lose some bets and do some stupid stuff. I have had my belly button pierced and my chest waxed, but I draw the line at eating feces. Uh, Dale, with Ben being around at least two more years, I want to see the Steelers keep Bell. I want to see the Steelers keep Martavis. I want to see them keep the offense intact. That seems like the plan, no? I think that's what they'd like to do. Now, whether that is uh, whether they're capable of doing that or not remains to be seen. Um, you know, when we met with Art Rooney uh, earlier this week, um, he said that you know they would like to get a deal done with Le'Veon. Well, they wanted to get a deal done with Le'Veon last year as well, and that didn't work out. Um, you know, the deal that they offered him uh, reportedly was sixty million dollars over five years, um, with thirty million of that payable in the first two seasons. And 42 over the first three uh, sounds like a pretty decent deal, but it, it's going to come down to the guaranteed money. That's what he continually told people at the Super Bowl. It's all about the guaranteed money. And, you know, that's really what it's about. And that's one thing that the Steelers don't like to do is give out a bunch of guaranteed money early in a contract because what that does then, uh, it doesn't give them any wiggle room down the road. Uh, every time that they renegotiate a contract, when people see that, that term, you know, the Steelers renegotiated a contract, basically what they're doing is turning that year's salary into some signing bonus. Well, if you give the player a bunch of signing bonus early on, that doesn't give you any wiggle room with that contract. So that's what they try to avoid, but Le'Veon Bell wants the guaranteed money. So best guess, Dale, you think it happens? I think it's going to be tough. I really do. I think both sides would like to do it. I know Le'Veon would, would like to stay here. Um, but it, it could come down to finances, and the Steelers have to look at it legitimately and say, okay, do we want Le'Veon Bell, or do we want to try to fix, you know, fill a couple of holes on this defense? Um, I, I don't think that they can do both through free agency. Now, maybe they get lucky in the draft and, and are able to go get another inside linebacker who's Ryan Shazier-like, but you're kind of starting over with a young guy. Is that where you want to go, or, do, or would you like to – I mean, realistically, they need two inside linebackers when you, when you look at it. I mean, they can't just fill that spot with one guy. 
because they also need a backup. Um, they, you know, they, they found that out this year as well because they had to go sign Sean Spence off his couch. Um, they need to, to upgrade there. Uh, you know, they probably need to upgrade at free safety. Uh, I, w- I would guess that they ask Mike Mitchell to take a pay cut, and if he doesn't want to do that, then, then he's probably released. But either way, I don't know that he's your starter, uh, you know, for all 16 games next year. Maybe you draft a guy, maybe you go out and sign a guy if, if you know, he doesn't want to t- take the pay cut. But either way, I mean, they've got a couple of holes to fill on that defense, and I don't know that they can do that if they re-sign Le'Veon Bell. Dale Lodley, editor and Steelers writer for DKPittsburghSports.com, joining me here on the Crowley Show. All the things you said there, to me, are issues. Arterney II says that distractions weren't as big of a deal as the perception was because the Steelers wound up going 13-3. and I'll agree with that because all those holes you talked about, to me, were the bigger issues. Yeah, I think so as well. And, of course, the turnovers in the two games against Jacksonville. I mean, when you... When you lose the turnover battle uh, seven to one in those two games, it's going to make it awfully difficult to win. And, and you know, a bunch of those scores, uh, or a bunch of those, ended up winding up in scores. I mean, they returned three, three, uh, uh, in, not interceptions, but three turnovers for touchdowns against the Steelers. You're going to have a tough time beating good teams when you do that. So they, you know, they need to take better care of the football, um, but it, they also need to to get better on defense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you know. The numbers were nice this year. The sack numbers were nice. They they put up, uh, what were they, fifth in, in total defense and, and in the top uh, five in, in scoring defense. But it wasn't consistent, especially once they lost Ryan Shazier. Dale, I'm going to get to this in a little over ten minutes here on the show. Do you think that John Mitchell's now having the sole title of assistant coach allows him to kind of be the bad cop to Mike Tomlin's good cop? Uh I think they just wanted to keep him around. I think maybe he was thinking about retirement. I mean, he's 66. Uh, how long do you want to do this? I mean, that's a that's a very taxing job. And at some point, uh, you know, not everybody can be Dick LeBeau and coach into your 80s. Um, you want to take a, a step back and enjoy your life a little bit. And, you know, I think that was a way to keep Mitch around for another year while they could also groom his replacement as opposed to uh, – you know, just uh, bringing in the, the new guy without John Mitchell there. Um, you know, but I, Mitch certainly fits the role of the bad cop. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's not he's a guy that's not afraid to to, uh, to chew somebody's ass out. I mean, he he does that every day in practice. He beats those guys down and then builds them back up. Uh, that's that's you know what makes him. That's how he that's how he coaches. And um, you know, he's a he's a guy that his players respect. Uh, he's been around the game for a long, long time, and you know I, I think that that uh, you know the Steelers wanted him around for another year, and I'm not sure that necessarily that Mitch wanted to put the hours in it takes to be a full time position coach. Dale Lawley, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining me here on 105.9 The X. Your thoughts on Tom Bradley coming in as the defensive backs coach? Because I can't give thoughts on a defensive backs coach. I, I don't know if he's going to be good at the job. But as much as I like Carnell, I didn't see Burns or Sean Davis take a big step forward this year. Not a big step forward, but I saw steps forward. Um, you know, Artie Burns may just be a guy who is up and down. Is up and down. I mean, you need that consistency to play that position. But at that position, 
it's very difficult to find that. I mean, that, that's a, you're on an island all the time, and you're going to get, you know, the best cornerbacks in the league get beaten. That's just the nature of the beast when you play that position. Um, you know, everybody talks about the Jacksonville game, and he gave up that long play down the middle, obviously, with no safety help. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a tough position for any cornerback. Uh, but he also made some big plays in that game. The people who are overlooking this, oh, he had a terrible game. He gave up one play. Um, you know, so he didn't have a terrible game. He gave up one play. Uh, I, I thought Sean Davis was up and down as well. I want to see more consistency out of him. But, you know, we don't know how much of that is, is you know, making up for uh, Mike Mitchell being banged up all season again. Right. Um, you know, just there, there's a lot of other variables there. And, you know, if you want to point to the game against New England and say that Sean Davis – well, he you know he had a terrible season because he couldn't cover Rob Gronkowski. Then every guy who covered Rob Gronkowski over the last seven years has had a bad season because they haven't been able to do it either. Uh, it's just not a. It's very difficult to cover that guy one on one, and oftentimes Davis wasn't one on one and he made some mistakes. Uh, but I thought overall Carnell Lake. I mean, you can't look at that and then say, well, what about Mike Hilton? He, he came out of nowhere. Carnell Lake found him. Uh, you know, you look at the, the, you know, the Cam Suttons. Everybody says, oh, Cam Sutton looks like he's going to be a player. Well, Carnell Lake found him. You know, it's just, it, it, it's easy to point out the inadequacies, but I think you also have to look at the, the positives that guys found as well. And, you know, I, I think before last season, they hadn't really spent any high draft picks on, on uh, secondary players. You know, people want to say, well, this guy was taken in the fourth round. He didn't work out, or that guy was in the sixth round. That happens. That happens to every position coach in the league. You know, if you fail with high draft picks year after year after year, that's when you have to look at that guy. And, yes, I'm talking about Joey Porter. Yes. (laughs) I was just going to say, Joey's got to go. I I like Joey, but Jarvis Jones didn't get any better. He could stop the run fine, but they needed him to do more than that. And I like Bud Dupree. I think he's an athlete. I think he's got ability, but I would have liked to see him take a bigger step forward this year. And of course, some of that is going to fall on the players, and there's accountability there. But Joey also has some off-the-field issues as well. I'm saying goodbye to that guy. Yeah, it's tough, and I, I thought that they probably should have cut ties with Joey last year. And, and you know, I, I like Joey. Uh, I think Joey's a good guy. I think he gets a little emotional at times, um, but I want to see more out of those linebackers, the outside linebackers in particular, and we're just not seeing it. Um, now you know what I thought of the Bud Dupree pick when they made it. I wasn't a fan, um, and I haven't seen the progression there from him in terms of the the just the the, the on field presence. I just don't see him having much of a feel for the game, and that hasn't changed. Uh, now, you know, I think part of that goes to the coaching. So, you know, I, I want to see more out of T.J. Watt. I think, you know, we'll see where he goes in his second year. But obviously Jarvis Jones was a flop. Um, I'm not going to call Bud Dupree a flop. He's, no. he's already far outproduced anything that Jarvis Jones did. Um, but he needs to be better. Dale, last thing, quickly. I've seen some mock drafts that have the Steelers moving up to take a quarterback. That would be rather silly, <laughs> yes. That's all we any, need. Any, I don't even need an any answer. Mock, any mock draft that has the Steelers moving up or taking a quarterback in the first round, you might as well just 
take take it and use it to pick up that horse feces we were talking about earlier because that's about what it's worth. Same thing for a corner, right? I've seen a lot of people yeah. mocking corners to the Steelers. I don't think that's their issue either. I don't think that's happening either. They've got they've got everybody back under contract next year. Now, obviously, they'll make some moves there. William Gay is not going to be back. Um, you know, they could they could also cut free uh, cut Cody Sensabaugh free. But they, they, you know, they've got corners. It's not corners aren't the problem. Um, you know, I think a lot of it goes back to not having Ryan Shazier for the second half of the season for most of it, and, and the free safety play. Thanks a lot, Dale. Appreciate it as always. All right, buddy. That's Dale Lolly, editor and Steelers writer for DKPittsburghSports.com. Up next, I'll tell you what I think that the John Mitchell move full time to assistant head coach means. It's Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden, one hundred five nine The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Nice talking to you, Mark. Hey, so be it. Kill fine. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Getting funky like a monkey. The X at 105.9. It's now time for the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts brought to you by Coors Light. Stop by the pub at Tonnendale and enjoy 250 Coors Light bottles every Saturday night from 9 till midnight. Two years ago... Le'Veon Bell had 147 rushing yards per game in the Steelers' eight-game winning streak. Bell averaged 126 a game last year after a 3-2 and two start. Ben had six touchdowns and seven interceptions before Bell took off this year. He had 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions the next 10 games. That means Ben Roethlisberger's better when Le'Veon Bell is at the top of his game, which means Pittsburgh... Sign that guy. That's the Coors Light Cold Hard Fats brought to you. Cold Hard Facts brought to you by Coors Light. Stop by the pub at Tonnadale and enjoy 250 Coors Light bottles every Saturday night from 9 until midnight. It's Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden here on 105 9 333 WXDX is the number. That's 412-333-9939. There was a sign at the Philadelphia Eagles championship parade that said, Crosby's still a bitch. Imagine having a corner apartment in the head of an entire city. Sidney Crosby owns Philadelphia. This is where Mark would go. Owns. Owns. F Philly. That's why I was rooting for New England. Sorry. Not sorry about that. 412-333-9939. John Mitchell has been promoted, I suppose, to Steelers assistant head coach. He had been the assistant head coach and defensive line coach. You know anything about John Mitchell? I do. I've gone to Steelers practices for a long time. John Mitchell is a hard ass. He's been the Steelers defensive line coach since I've been on this planet. He was the defensive line coach from 94 to 2006. He's been the assistant head coach and defensive line coach since 2007. Now he's just the assistant head coach. This to me has Art Rooney II all over it. It's got his fingerprints all on it. Mr. Rooney's been supportive of Mike Tomlin, and he's made that clear to the media as he's made his rounds this week. I am too. Mike Tomlin's a very good coach, and he's coming off a 13-3 and season. But the distractions, while I don't think they were the primary reason for failure this year, doesn't mean that they can't be next year. Tomlin's a player's coach. We know that. Terry Bradshaw calls him a cheerleader. I won't go that far, but Mike Tomlin is a player's coach. Now, he has suspended players in the past, like Richard Mendenhall, Santonio Holmes, 
Martavis Bryant. He's cut blunt in Harrison. But I don't think that many would consider Tomlin a disciplinarian. That's because he's not. A.B. can do whatever he wants. Le'Veon Bell can do whatever he wants. Joey Porter's had off-the-field issues. He's still employed. The list goes on and on and on. Mike Tomlin can't all of a sudden just about-face and turn into somebody else in the 11th year of coaching. It can't happen. It would be insincere, and players would see through it. It'd be ineffective. Enter John Mitchell, who is famous for breaking down young players and building them from the ground up. That's his philosophy. Dale referenced that in the last segment. Now, I've been to many Steelers practices where John Mitchell is the loudest and a lot of times the most vulgar man on the field. Certainly the most critical. It's constructive. Sometimes it's personal, but being personal gets the results. By stripping away the D-line coach title, I think that gives Mitchell the freedom to sink his teeth into players who aren't on the D-line. As a D-line coach, you can break down defensive linemen. You can rip Javon Hargrave if he's not working hard enough. You can slap Stefan Tuitt in the back of the head if you have to. But if you're the assistant head coach, and that's your role, I think it opens up the door to be like that with everybody. Mike Tomlin's a good meld of tough and players coach. Players wear pads in training camp. They have to work. But he does give star players a lot of leeway. And that can't change now. It would be phony, and phony would lead people to believe it was desperate. John Mitchell, that can be the guy. He can be the guy to turn up the heat. Tomlin does not deserve to be fired. But his recent playoff failures, riddled with poor decisions, need to be checked, yo. John Mitchell ditching the role of D-line coach means he's going to have more of a say. Means he's going to be in the ear of Mike Tomlin. Things that Tomlin would have done after only consulting himself may be done after consulting Mitch. Who's to say that'll be the case, but it certainly makes sense. I think that's why they made this move. John Mitchell was promoted, if you will, because Mike Tomlin needs a sounding board. It's not an indictment on Tomlin. It's praise for Mitch, and it's going to help the Steelers get better. That's the idea, at least. 412-333-9939. You think I'm desperate here? Or do you think that's true? Because I don't think I'm reading too much into it. I think that's exactly what happened. What say you? 412-333-9939. 412-333-WXDX. Mike Tomlin's not going to get canned. The Steelers don't do that. Bill Cower was going to coach until he retired or died like the Pope. Same thing's going to happen with Mike Tomlin. Same thing happened with Chuck Knoll. But it doesn't mean that Mike Tomlin can't get better. And he's clearly not improved in a few key areas. He's not a good enough disciplinarian. In the clock management stuff, the process stuff, the onside kick at the end of that Jaguars game, that's the kind of stuff that needs to be checked at the door. That's a lot of ego. And while I do think Mike Tomlin's ego is one of the things that makes him a great head coach, I also think sometimes with ego, you've got to check it at the door. Dan Bilesman was the same damn way. Dan Bilesman never had a plan B, ever. Let's stretch pass until we can stretch pass no more. Let's grind these bleeps down, right? And that was the same game plan every single game because he had won that way, and he thinks, my way's the best way. I'm the best. My bleep don't stink. Well, Mike Tomlin has a lot of that cocky arrogance as well, and I don't always think it's a bad thing. 
But your coach can't be making mistakes, and then the next day in the press conference, or Tuesday, pardon me, in the press conference, can't be saying, I did what was right in that circumstance. I'm a big process guy. Do the right things, and eventually the results will follow. That onside kick was common sense. Gutsy, but gutsy because it was stupid. Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl going for it on fourth and one was not stupid. That's the move. The onside kick was stupid. I think Tomlin's a great head coach. I will continue to say that. But good head coaches make dumb decisions sometimes, and sometimes they need checked at the door. Bill Belichick made dumb decisions in the Super Bowl. Malcolm Butler, anybody? 98% of the snaps? Someone needed to grab Belichick by the hair and say, Bro, I know you're a super genius, like double M, but you're going to lose us this damn football game. And I think John Mitchell's the guy to do that in Pittsburgh. Maybe not grab Tomlin by the hair, but say, Yo, Mike, that ain't the smartest idea. And I think he'll be able to tell his players, Hey, guys, cut out the BS. Luke, up next, Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden on 105.9. What's up, Luke? We got you, Luke. Mark would say your phone sucks. I'm a nice guy, so I'm not going to say that you're too poor to afford a good phone, but that's what Mark would say. Dan and Hazelwood, next up on 105.9. Hey, uh, What's up, Dan? Hey, uh, you know, I think you're exactly right. Tomlin is not the greatest coach, but he's a good one. And, you know, if you get rid of a coach like that, who are you going to replace him with? You know, it's a lot easier to improve him than it is to throw him out the door. and find Well, the thing is, him. they're not going to throw him out the door. So you have right. to improve him. I do have an issue when people say, who else are you going to hire, though? Because no one knew who Mike Tomlin was when they hired Mike Tomlin. There's always guys out there who haven't been given opportunities that could do well with the opportunities. There are people out there in this world who exist, who are better coaches than Mike Tomlin, who aren't employed right now. But the Steelers, are. the Steelers aren't interested in finding that guy. The Steelers are interested yeah. in keeping Mike Tomlin. So this, to me, seems like a compromise. Make Mike Tomlin better than he already is. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the call, Dan. Larry in Green Tree, around these parts. Up next, Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Mann. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, good. Um, I love your opinions about you know just the, the hockey and football. But, I'm great, man. I, know, I can't argue with that. Uh, Tomlin does not have any second, like he doesn't, if, if it doesn't work, he just keeps going with it. Um, there's no, and Dalzno was the same way. They don't make any adjustments. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Larry, I am a big Mike Tomlin fan and I've been called on my show on ESPN Pittsburgh, four to seven. I heard radio every day, Monday through Friday. I've been called a Tomlin apologist. Yeah, I think he's a good coach, too. I think he's a good coach, but you know what really pissed me off? When Mike Tomlin, in the press conference, following this playoff loss, talked about the onside kick as if it was the right move. Right. You're allowed to say, you know what, I screwed up that time. And when you can admit your mistakes and you can admit your faults, that's the only way you can get better. And I've seen Mike Tomlin get better, but I haven't seen exponential growth from a guy who's been in the league for 11 years. I need to see my coach get better. I need to see my coach evolve with the times. Players change. Schemes change. Sure. Let me ask you another question. You know, they compare themselves to New England, okay? And the owner, 
Um, Tomlin, it seems like they were satisfied with 13 and 3. Uh, you know, how many Super Bowls has New England been to since we won the last one? And it seems like, you know, oh, they're just happy with the 13 and 3, or do you think that they're just saying that and really they want, you know, they're not happy with not Well, Mike Tomlin in his post game press, or in his press conference, pardon me, following that game on Tuesday. And thanks for the call, Larry. Appreciate it. He said it was a great season and a bad end. Or something to that effect. He's right. But when you come into a season with the expectation level that this team had, anything less than getting to the Super Bowl to me is a failure. And what really stinks is that they didn't even lose to New England. I know people are out there going to say, why would you want to lose to New England? If you lose to New England, at least you lost to New England. And you can say, okay, well, we lost to the greatest of all time again. They have the Steelers' number. Well, now you lost to the team that lost to New England, which is why Mike Tomlin, for as good of a coach as he is, needs to have somebody there alongside to help him out. One more. Let's go to Joe in Penn Hills. Hello, Joe. How you doing, babe? I'm good, babe. How are you, sweetie? <laughs> Listen, uh, I got to your drift about when you were saying, like, Mike Tomlin. That does irritate me about him. Uh, he has a hard time taking too much blame for things, like you say. But there's one thing I do want to ask you, and a good feeling. I know everybody around here, even Mark, says that Tallman's a good coach. Now, I know he's okay, but say he came to us after Cower, and he just had a, a Bobby Brewster or somebody uh, quarterback, and we couldn't get a, a, a franchise quarterback. How do you think he would come out of this that way? Would he be... At 110 wins, or would he be about 75 or 80 wins? Just what would you think? I know that's a... Well, Mike Tomlin would say he doesn't deal in hypotheticals. Right, I know. I was just going to say that. Here's, I here's, here's what I'll say. What did Bill Belichick do before Brady? What did yeah. Cower do before yeah, Roethlisberger? Right. He went, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And, and thanks for the call, Joe. Name me a good coach, and I'll tell you the good quarterback that helped that guy become the good coach. Everyone loves Walsh, right? He had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Now, chicken, egg, whatever. Bill Belichick didn't win a Super Bowl as a head coach without Tom Brady. Everyone thinks Tony Dungy's great. I've heard his commentary on NBC. Eh, eh. I know Peyton Manning's great. I hate, and this guy wasn't doing this, but I hate when that's the criticism of Mike Tom. Well, he's never had a losing season, but he's always had Ben. Okay, great. But most great head coaches had pretty darn good quarterbacks. 412-333-9939. 412-333-WXDX. Coming up next, it's Bob McGoughlin, baby! With Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Terms apply. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me! The X at 105.9. Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden on 105.9. Bob McLaughlin joins me now. Sponsored by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. I'm redoing my kitchen in a couple of weeks. Thanks for the reminder there, sponsor. Aha! Uh-huh. 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on Mike Mitchell, not Mike Mitchell, John Mitchell becoming the Steelers' assistant coach and just dropping the defensive line coach moniker? Well, Adam, this is a family show, so my thoughts on Mike Mitchell wouldn't be appropriate here. 
Uh, hopefully I won't have to have those thoughts next year if Jerry Dulac and many of the other people that co- cover the team are correct, saying that they're going to jettison him. But uh, I like your take on John Mitchell and uh, his new role with the Steelers. Um, over the years, I agree with you that Mike Tomlin is a good coach. The Steelers can't do better than having him uh, in the club right now, and they should not get rid of him, obviously. Uh, he is a successful coach. Although, you can tweak that. And as you've been talking about, there are things that he can learn to do or there are things that other people can remind him to do or maybe suggest that he do or maybe do for him, which leads into what John Mitchell and what you've been talking about for the last hour. Um, I think that he will be the hammer now. I think he will be the bad cop to Mike Tomlin's good cop because, remember, he has Mike Tomlin is a player's coach. That is a fair assessment. That is a valid opinion. I don't think that there's anyone out there that can say that that's wrong. Um, but that doesn't mean that he is super buddy-buddy with all of the players. I think he has his favorites based on talent, based on situation, based on, you know, the linebacker's coach, which he seems to pile around with quite well. And if John Mitchell, veteran hard-ass, guy who doesn't mince words in so many interviews when you talk with those defensive linemen they say he brought the best out of me all the time you think like marine drill sergeant or something like that you know um so in this new role i like the point that you said look he doesn't have to just talk with the defensive line now he can go to the coach and suggest something he can be kind of the bad cop in his ear he can go to other players and say this isn't how we do things here hey mind on the game just stuff like that and he's going to use a little bit more colorful language (laughs) um but somebody there needs to do that and i like your take saying that maybe this does start with art rooney the second he saw some uh noodling had to be done and that's the result so many people think that an owner getting involved is a bad thing but not in this scenario not at all mike tomlin's a good head coach but he was a bad, bad, bad head coach in that Jacksonville game. And you want to make sure that those bad days pop up as infrequently as possible and at better times if they're going to. Yeah, good point. And the thing about uh, Mr. Rooney is that he's not meddling like you. When you think of a coach or an owner, I mean a an owner meddling, you think Jerry Jones. You think Dan Snyder. Right. You know, you think people who are down on the field, they're they're you know, getting in the media's face afterwards and telling things how they should be, what was wrong with the calling on the field, stuff like that. Mr. Rooney's not like that at all. But as owner, as, you know, top dog, numero uno honcho, it is his job to look at a problem and correct it. And hopefully this is a big step towards doing, uh, correcting one of those problems, which they need to tighten things up down there. There's a precedent, too, for this, because he is largely the reason, Mr. Rooney, that... Todd Haley was brought in, and he's largely the reason that Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion, is still able to play. So it's not like he's not done this before. It's not overarching changes, but mm-hmm. it's, hey, I think this needs to change. Uh, Bob, who do you think's more likely to win the scoring title? Phil Kessel, Sidney Crosby, or Evgeny Malkin? Okay, uh, I took notes while you and Mackie were talking about this earlier. So You can't come prepared. That's not allowed. No, well, I had to just so I don't screw up the order. But Mackie has Crosby, Kessel... Malkin, you have Gino, Kessel, Sid. I'm going to go with Sid, Kessel, Gino. Uh, and just, this isn't me disparaging Evgeny Malkin's efforts or anything like that. He's been on fire. You know, all three of them have them for the, in 2018. They've just been... Unreal. Yeah, yeah, unreal is a great word. 
but think of how streaky Gino is. And he is in the midst of a great streak right now. You know, they're all streaky, so I guess it's unfair to just single him out. But I think him more so than the other two. Phil has been consistent this whole year. And when I say I think Sid's going to do it, it's because Sid's going to start getting the goals, but his assists right now, are uh, they're out of this world. I mean, he is playing great hockey, and so are the other two. And when I say that Sid's going to win the scoring title, that Kessel's going to be second, Gino third, I'm guessing they're all going to be within four points of each other. It's yeah, going to be tight. And this is all barring a, an injury or some unforeseen thing happening. Right. So. In an ideal vacuum, which is right. redundant. And I think Gensel, going back on Sid's line tonight, I think that's the right move, and that gets him kick-started with the goals again. You know what? That kick-starts both of them because Sid's going to set him up. It's just going to work the way it did last year when Gensel was just on fire. Here's the way I look at the scoring race right now as it relates to the Penguins. Crosby's the Penguins' best player. Kessel's been the Penguins' most consistent player, and Evgeny Malkin is playing the best out of the three right now. If any one of them won it, it wouldn't shock me. I think Gino's going to do it because I'm seeing playoff Gino right now. Yeah. You know what, though? The other thing is that I have Gino third, and remember, this is just among these three. This isn't the entire league. You know, this is just our little who out of the three Penguins do you think is going to have the most points? Um the thing about Gino is that sometimes Gino takes a playoff here or there or a game off or something, or he gets, you know, he gets a little pissy about certain things happening on the ice and he gets into revenge factor instead of a little bit more scoring factor. Whereas Phil, I think Phil has it in his sights right now. Phil says, okay, hey, I'm two points off the lead. I can do this. I'm going to keep shooting. He's not going to diminish his shots. And with that wicked wrist shot, anything can happen. So Sid, PK, Gino. And they're all going to wind up helping each other on the power play. That much is for sure. Coming up next, you know who I think has got the best chance here to win the scoring title out of the Penguins? I'll tell you who I'm rooting for to win the NHL scoring title and why. Plus, I once participated in a poor man's version of the Clareton Manesson basket brawl. It's Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden. 30-second break right here, 105.9 The X.